What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, it's your boy Q. And it's your boy Big Facts. Baby, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. It's a good day. Miami Heat in the finals. You was one of the haters that said it never happened. We here, though, baby. I did say that. <laughs> I did say that. But you also said Lakers weren't going to make playoffs. So uh, I, you know. I went back and reviewed the tape, and I said that I'm just hating. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I appreciate on the last episode you giving me the shout-out because I was right about the Clippers. So, you know, had to celebrate appropriately. Um, yeah. yeah, that shit was a dumpster fire waiting to happen. But, yeah, we can get in. You want to start talking about that first or you want to wait to that last? No, let's talk about it first. Hell, we here. So, they got rid of Doc. Yeah. What you think? So, yeah, I love these situations there when it happened. But I I think we talked about it, though. It was kind of funny how he was throwing them under the bus, like, right afterwards. You know what I mean? He was talking about how they were out of shape. He had to sub people out. And that's kind of unusual for a coach to be calling his players out like that. So they said that they had an hour meeting with him and Balmer and just came to the conclusion that they had different philosophies. And it really feels like it's like the old guard that was there before that was a tough, hard-nosed team, Patrick Beverly, Montrez Harrell. Then you got these Hollywood cats to come in. Prima Donnas. Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you got uh, Paul George that might have rubbed off on Lou Williams a little bit. But I, I know the big controversy was how much he was playing Montrez Harrell, when he was playing Montrez Harrell. Uh, other players were saying Montrez Harrell was only playing hard on the offensive end, wasn't playing hard on the defensive end. So it sounds like a lot of this controversy surrounded Montrez Harrell and his support for Montrez Harrell. You know, we all know Doc has his guys. When Doc mm-hmm. has his guys, he fully supports his guys. And it seems like it a lot a lot of it surrounded Montrez Harrell and his toughness and other guys being prima donnas. I mean, you know, you start to look at it. I I look at what Doc did with the Clippers last year and came away very impressed because I thought Doc was done, man. Like, I I just felt like – I feel like he has not wanted to be coaching the Clippers for a while. Like, I think the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin thing, like, wore him out. And then he had a taste of, like, what it's like to mold his own team and and really coach guys who don't have egos. Um, And then to have to turn around and go back into a – Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George situation. And then, you know, I think it was one of those situations where, like, you look at Paul George's uh, comments after they lost him, him saying, like, oh, well, you know, this wasn't this wasn't a win now thing. And and that if that, if I were Doc, I'd be like, you know, fuck this dude. I don't, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to put up with him and Kawhi. Well, I was reading a report. I was on Hoops Hypes, and they were uh, – I can't remember which reporter said it, but they were like – uh, you know, after they talked about the Montrez Harrell stuff, they said another big thing is Kawhi isn't a vocal leader. He's a leader right. by action. And then so you get a lot of controversy with Paul George because Paul George doesn't have the respect. He wants to be at the level of Kawhi Leonard, but he doesn't have the respect that Kawhi Leonard has. So he can't Correct. be the vocal one, especially when you're shooting 22% from the field in the playoffs and disappearing in clutch moments. You, if you're trying, if Paul George is trying to be the vocal one, and then the rest of the players don't respect Paul George, then you get in a situation like I don't see Patrick Beverly respecting Paul George. I don't see Montrez Harrell respecting Paul George. You know what I'm saying? So it becomes this, right. this like, how can you manage this? You know what I mean? And and I can see Kawhi Leonard just kind of sitting back like that's not my job. You know, I go out here, I ball, I do it. I'm not supposed to do these things. So yeah, yeah. I mean, they spent. To get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they spent seven first-round draft picks and Shy Gillis Alexander. How is that not a win-now situation? It just shows the loser mentality that Paul George even has. Like, I've been saying that. Well, I know we used to argue about Westbrook. He came up short, too. But that was my argument before is we look at Paul George as like a true number two player or a number one player, and he hadn't been that since before the injury, man. And he just showed us the- Kawhi Leonard. I think that's the thing for me that bugged me the most about the Clippers was watching them. Um, It's like they all started to take on. They started to ride the coattails of Kawhi and act like they were champions. Like they started to act like, oh, yeah, we deserve this. This is our house. Of course, we're going to win a title when they didn't earn it. Only Kawhi and Doc have have that entire team are the only ones who have ever done shit worth a damn. None of those other guys have done anything. So you get Paul George who 
I don't think it's even fair to call Paul George a superstar. I don't think I now now let's not get crazy. Paul George is a really good player. He's a yeah. really good number two. So I don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Guy. He's a great regular season guy, but Paul George is not a superstar for me. Like he's definitely not worth what they gave up for him. Um, but you got to do that to get Kawhi. I get it. But yeah, if you if you're the Clippers and you realize like and you hear paul george saying that it's got to be a situation where like yo nigga we gave up the world for you two like it, every every season's a win now season because if if it, can you imagine what the reaction would have been if, if paul george played for the lakers and he said that yeah i mean that's he, he never played he'd never play for him again yeah he, he'd never play for him again um because but, that that like you say is a loser mentality and i agree with you like i do hate on russ and call russ a loser but Russ is gonna go down with an empty gun. Uh, he he he's gonna he go one for twenty five. He's gonna keep shooting it. <laughs> yeah, but I like that about him. But he he go he go he's going to to go down empty. So, but you know, but Paul George is that the big thing is like I keep saying it. It seems like this big riff was between Harold and Paul George, and I bet you it came down to the fact that um, Doc was fighting to keep Montrez Harold because he was a restricted free agent. And Doc was probably wanting to bring him back, and everyone else would, didn't want to bring him back. So it comes down what? to, in my opinion, Montrez Harrell coming back and not. So I think at this point, Montrez Harrell is going to move on. He was the energy for the team. I mean, he might not have came back in shape from the bubble. I mean, they, I'm not going to really knock the dude. He just lost his grandmother, who was really close with. Then you have to go in three months or, or two months or whatever in isolation to play basketball and not be around nobody. I don't know what mental state. Uh, that's a tough early. situation you know what i mean so i'm not even gonna knock the dude for that but he all season he had been the energy he's the one that was bringing mm-hmm. the energy and raise him up he would have been the one if he was i think at full mental strength to pick them up when they were down it doesn't seem like he was able to do that so what do the clippers do from here uh we'll get to doc in a second but what, what do the clippers do from here because you know coaching aside I'm not sure what the contracts are on a lot of those dudes that they brought in, the hired guns, the Morrises, the Reggie Jacksons, the, you know, whoever else to just kind of. One year deals, they all fall off. So you basically are stuck again with no draft picks, Kawhi, Paul George, and what, like Lou Williams or something like that? Landry Shamit, maybe? I mean, yeah, you got all those players locked up. You got your your core is going to be Lou Williams, um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Zubak. I think Patrick Beverly is locked up for a, a couple of years, so I think he's coming back. Um, then after that, you're just going to try to have to find role players. I mean, maybe you can use that uh, little exception to get uh, Marcus Morris back. They need to bring him back. And then after that, you're just going to try to find players that'll fit. But I think another thing that made the Clippers more proactive to this move is the fact that Ty Lue is really hot on the market. So, I mean, you come down. Mm-hmm. I think they want Ty Lue to be the coach. He's better at handling person the personalities. He's probably better in this situation. Um, so, I think that they really wanted Ty Lue. And they had to make a decision. Do we stick with Doc Rivers and see if he can make this work and let Ty Lue go and risk losing him? Or do we just go ahead and move forward with Ty Lue now, who they probably like as an organization, as a coach? And he's a player-friendly coach, so the players probably like him there too. So I think this was just a situation where they were trying to secure Ty Lue down because he had a couple of interviews this week. So if you're Doc, I mean, so some reports are saying that Doc's not even going to coach this year. He's going to sit it out, which makes sense for him. But, I man, I, I, oh, I mean, there, there could be multiple reports out there. I mean, I, I would be shocked if he didn't. Um, but you kind of, if you're Doc, you're definitely, like, you jumped Antonio as the biggest name in the market, right? Or the yeah. best coach on the market? Yeah, I mean, with the with the championship pedigree that he had, even though it's with the Celtics, but I mean, I feel like he's shown that he can handle personalities. But you got to buy in, you know what I mean? And that's what if I'm things. Doc, if I'm the Pelicans, that's I I want to make that happen. Uh, but, like, but there's a few situations. I think that he's a perfect fit for the Sixers. Same situation. I think that he would be a perfect fit for the Rockets. I think um, Doc, a lot of Doc's problem, now I think the Sixers would be more iffy because I don't think Doc is great offensively. Uh, like with his right, that's what I was going to say. And things like that. But Houston Rockets, Pelicans, I think those two situations. But I think that he could, I think that he could succeed in uh, Philadelphia too because he's going to be on the East. If he could get Joel Embiid to buy it. Like that roster's not that far away. They just need shooters. I think Doc can go I agree with that. Shooters. 
I I don't like the Houston fit. I I also am of the mind that Houston's probably going to try to just blow that shit up um, and do something else. I that that wouldn't shock me at all. But um, like if from a doc perspective, I don't know what he does in Houston. That's any different than what D'Antoni does. I think that's that team is capped, uh, and, and I mean that's uh, their championship window. Go get a center, somebody that's over like, six 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 five. Like <laughs> like the one they gave away for 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 free. Yeah, uh, like you know, be one of those but, that might be needed. I I like Doc in uh in, in New Orleans. I I like him in Philly. I think I think he could figure that out. I don't like him in Houston. I but real quick as we're talking about coaching moves, um, I love the hire of Billy Donovan in Chicago. Um, I I love it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Only other coach that I could think that could fit that situation would be Kenny Atkinson, and I love Benny Do- Billy Donovan. Uh, I think this is. A good fit for him. A lot of young players, no huge personalities. I mean, you got Zach Levine there, but typically his system fit players like Zach Levine. You coming from Florida shooters, um, he's usually able to open offense up for players like that. So I, I like this developmental. You got players that can buy in. He can really institute his system like he did with the OKC Thunder. He can develop these players. He's developed a lot of good NBA players. So I, I love this man and. Um, I, I want to see, like, you said Doc in New Orleans. Like, yeah, but I want to go see Doc in a different place. Like, I want to see Doc. That's why I said Houston or the Sixers, because I think they're closer to winning right now, Houston and the Sixers. Like, with New Orleans, I would love to see Kenny Atkinson in New Orleans. Like, And, I, you know, I, I like the Kenny Atkinson. I like Kenny Atkinson a lot, and I, I hope that he can find um, – a role that that is like New Orleans, a young team, no egos. But I think this is going to be a very weird NBA offseason because I, I think a lot of teams, are, since they don't know when the season is going to start, or when the draft is going to be, they're still trying to wait to see how the bubble ends and what's going to happen after all that. But the fact that Kenny Axe hasn't been getting any buzz is a little bit strange because um, he's a damn good coach. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he is, but... I mean, I guess there's there's also probably the thing of can, when you when can you bring people in to interview and when can you talk to them. I mean, if it's not something definitive like you know you want, like uh, probably Billy Donovan was probably a slam dunk. I think he got like two, three offers out the door. What he did with, I mean, that's a coach of the year guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Once he hits the market, he can choose wherever he wants to go. I don't think Kenny was in that situation. He's going to have to interview. He's going to have to convince some people of his style because you don't know that much about Kenny Atkinson. So I think he's in a different situation. You're also waiting uh, for some coaches to come available like like Ty Lue and some other people to end and exit to see who's available before you give. Because now you're starting to hear his name circulate more because now the two coaches in the finals, I mean, the only person you may be waiting on is Jason Kidd. You know what I mean? Other than that, right. you pretty much have your market of coaches out there. I don't think there's anybody from the Heat staff that's going to be considered. So you're only looking at the Lakers and probably Jason Kidd. Other than that, I mean, the market is set now, so now you're hearing more coaching names come out. Uh, but I think that the market was really waiting on Ty Lue. And now it's probably waiting on Doc Rivers, but I think it was waiting on Talu. Yeah, makes sense. Um, what about Nate McMillan, man? Uh, talk about a dude that's got a raw deal. Uh, I think for him to be fired is an atrocity, and now you're starting to see players. You know, Oladipo say he doesn't want to come back. Um, uh, 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 Miles Turner said he don't want to come back. Uh, now, whether that, that happens or not. Um, that was a dirty move. And I, I like the Pacers as a basketball organization. They always kind of do the right thing, and they're always, you know, in the mix. Um, but I, I thought that was pretty dirty on their part. Yeah, man, I didn't, I didn't like how that whole thing went down, man. I don't like how they treated them. Um, if you read the room and the atmosphere and the environment that we're in, um, we're talking about, you know, this black power standing up. Man, I would really like to see – some of those players like Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo really take a stand against that because I think he was done wrong, man. He was put in a situation. He was in a bad situation. He coached through. He still was a fourth and fifth seed every year. I mean, when he was at full strength before Victor Oladipo went down, they were a, a strong contender to take out uh, LeBron and that Cleveland Cavs team was ready to give them all that they had. And then now when you're going in every playoffs without your best player, they let you go. Um, so, I mean, I could, the problem with Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner is there's a good thing about guaranteed contracts, bad thing about guaranteed contracts. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what power do you have? Can you force their hand? Miles Turner is fresh off a sign of the contract. Victor Oladipo has one year left. Victor Oladipo probably can get out of there because the last offer they were trying to give him, $80 million for four years, and he wasn't going. But what do you do? 
I mean, do you just sit out? Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't like how they went down either, but what do you do, man? I hope Nate falls on his feet. I hope Nate gets an opportunity. Nate is another person that I think would be a good fit in New Orleans. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about New Orleans because I think that's all New Orleans is missing is a good coach to guide them. I don't think they're going to get, like, a Jeff Van Gundy or anything like that. I don't. What's the, fa- I th- What's the infatuation with Jeff Van Gundy? I don't know, man. You know, um, I always say, like, former coaches that are on broadcast – when they're broadcasting, they're trying to interview for jobs. You know what I'm saying? So they're always talking about scheme and calling plays. I think those are interviews. So I don't know. I mean, he's been out. I think he was blackballed like Mark Jackson for a long time. Maybe his tenure's up. He could be hired again. I don't know what's But that's on. the thing. It, whether it be like, you know, I obviously as a Raiders fan, I, I'm looking at the whole John Gruden thing. And that's not to say John Gruden hasn't done a good job because I think he has. But, man, once you're out of the game for 10 years – I don't think that I'm trying to go back to a coach that hasn't coached in today's league, doesn't really know today's players, doesn't have the relationships with those. Like, it just, this is it, well, like the NBA. Go ahead. I will say that you probably have more relationships and a, a broader perspective of coaching being out of the game and watching it, especially with those TV crews, because you interact with so many different teams. You know what I mean? As a broadcaster, you talk to those, you talk to different players, you coach these games, you go to these different practices, you go to these different. So you probably build more relationships being in TV than you probably would if you were coaching. So I think it would be the well, opposite. And he did coach the, was it the, the 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 FIBA team? Yeah, he did some coaching, but I mean. I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if he's gonna be progressive with his style. I still think it would be crazy to bring him in and not bring in Mark Jackson. I would definitely give Mark Jackson a shot before I give Jeff Van Gundy a shot. Shit, I would give Stan Van Gundy a shot before I give Jeff Van Gundy a shot. Cause I don't think that I think Jeff Van Gundy, he coached like we're so far away from the Jeff Van Gundy coaching era. Like the style has probably saying. changed like three times since Jeff Van Gundy was a coach. Like he was still playing. I mean, Twin Towers. You know what I mean? Right. Larry and Johnson, and again, it's you, power forward. <laughs> you take that back to the John Gruden analogy. John Gruden's offense has not evolved uh, since he's been out of the game. Like he's still running shit like his two. Th- and and you know what I mean. So it's like it's hard for me to expect coaches who have been out that long to be like oh yeah they're gonna change as opposed to someone like you said like stan van gundy who probably can sit learn take a year off and be like okay i should have done that okay i should have built this way okay i'm, I'm not good at this it's like that makes sense but 10 years i i'd rather take my shot with i'd rather take my shot with becky hammond before i call jeff van gundy you know what i mean you know, okay you know, thinking about it steve uh, stan van gundy is probably a good fit for the rockets He's probably one of I the think Stan Van Gundy is a good coach. Yeah, I, don't I don't think like, Stan Van Gundy. I don't Gund- like his rotations, but I mean, if you're going to transition from um, D'Antoni, the smooth transition would probably be a Stan Van Gundy because he runs that same type of analytical offense. He probably relates to Daryl Morey more than most people. And um, they, he, but he does, he does know how to run a big man. You know what I'm saying? So, and he preaches a lot of defense. So I think that the Rockets should look at Stan Van Gundy. I hadn't Just heard don't. his name come up. Don't give his ass no personnel power because that's where it goes wrong. And and you know, I, and I think that those days are kind of over. Uh, so, but anyway, man, crazy crazy times around the league. Um, I do want to touch on the Celtics Heat matchup real quick and kind of just talk a little bit about the finals. Um, what do you do if you're Boston? Uh, because you you have Tatum, you have Brown, you have Smart. We know that. Uh, Kemba did not look good, look good, um, especially in fourth quarters. Uh, it just he disappeared. Uh, listen, I, I I like Gordon Hayward. I, I think he's a good player. I think Gordon Hayward's done, um, and it is, and I mean done from a situation not that he can't help your team because he definitely can, but you can see when he goes up for layups, jump shots, no dunks. Like he is scared, and rightfully so. Uh, of he doesn't trust that leg. Uh, and I, you know, and it got rolled up on again. What do you do if you're Boston? Because Brad Stevens, while I, listen, and again, I'm gonna say this as nicely as possible. Brad Stevens, good coach. I don't hear this shit about him being the, one of the best coaches in the NBA. Like he's top five. It's between him and Pop. Like let's stop that. Like 
Brad Stevens has been given more for doing nothing in such a short like it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Well, it, Brad Stevens. Well, it was, go ahead. it was most of that came off that that first year where everyone thought they were tanking, and then mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas led them like to the conference finals, and so a lot of his prestige came from that. Since then. I, I think that he's underachieved. He overachieved in such a massive way those two years. And then he started to get talent in, and then he underachieved. But then even a lot of that could be tied to Ky- uh, Kyrie Irving last year. You know what I mean? Uh, some injuries. Uh, Isaiah Thomas getting hurt that second year. So there's always been little excuses for him. This year, there was really no excuse. The, pr- the problem with the Celtics, um, as, as we were talking about, they're not in a bad situation, but they have to find a way to move that Gordon Hayward contract, even if it's for nothing, because he has a $34 million option coming up, um, and he's going to pick it up because he's not getting $34 million on open market. So you have to, if they can figure out a way to move on from that contract and then get some just quality role players in for one year that can help them, then I think they would be uh, in good shape for the 2021 free agency because they will have the cap room to go after someone in 2021. And then you will have a foundation of Kimball Walker, um, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown all under bird rights, and you have one max, max contract. So I think they're going to have to roll out their crew next year, that same thing, see how far they can go, see if they can do something with it. Hope some of those young players that you hate develop, like Romeo Langford, Carson Edwards, Robert Williams, hopefully some of those players can develop into the quality role players and maybe they can move on from, uh, maybe they can get something out of Gordon Hayward, maybe at the trade deadline that can help them with a push towards the final, maybe like the Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder type, type deal to help them get over the hump. And then next year going to 2021 to uh, look to see if they can put a fourth player in that rotation. They got a really yeah, like, I- they got a good deal. Even though Kimba um, underachieved, with the contract that they signed him for, they can afford to keep him because he's just going to be a third option. Yeah, and you know, but you're you're exactly right. Like I don't like anybody that they've drafted since Tatum or Brown. Like I, nobody. There's not a single player that you could convince me is going to be any I like good. I, I, now, can, can can they become good role players? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'll give you that. But like, I just I don't see a whole lot on that team that that is going to make me think that they're gonna come out of the east anytime soon i think Cantor might be coming off the books too so that's the that's the weird part because they lost horford but i don't think i think that they like or kind of because danny ain traditionally is a decent coach i mean we, i mean De- decent gm you know what i'm saying he's not making yeah. any horrible decisions or moves so i think they're set up for when everyone's waiting for that 2021 free agency i think right now they're good enough next year to compete again to try to make it and then in 2021 i know for sure that gordon hayward's coming off because this is last year I'm pretty sure Ennis Canner's coming off, and he's making like 12 million. They're gonna have like they should have a max contract available because they're two best players under bird rights, and you sign Kimball Walker to something under a max. So they're gonna have a one max spot, and who's gonna say no? I don't want that's not an option for me. You know what I mean? Because they had Al Horford there. You know what I mean? So they're gonna have one spot to fill that in in 2021 when there's gonna be a good free agency, and your core is gonna be Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum, and you have Kimball Walker there as a piece. So if you bring in a max player, that team is going to be able to compete. It just might not. They're not going to win a championship next year, I don't think. But it's valuable experience because that team is still young. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I'm definitely not saying Boston is destitute because I, I, you know, I'm. I think Tatum is the better of the two. You think Brown's the better of the two, but I think we can both agree that they've got two foundational, you know, players. Hey, don't sleep on Marcus Smart's development. Shit, they might have been better off not signing Kimba and just giving Marcus Smart the keys. <laughs> oh, I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that heavily. I, I like Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart's role needs to be uh, a little bit Patrick Beverly-ish. Not, not like if 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 Marcus Smart is taking 20, I think what last game he took 22 shots. Absolutely not. That is never, he, like Marcus Smart's been in the league seven years. That ain't a dude I want to bet on becoming all of a sudden the point guard that's going to run my team. I mean, but he was the most consistent player on the team, I would say, besides for, uh, I mean, besides for Jalen Brown. Like, he yeah, was but his consistency, be- his consistency is what they need him for, and what he does is different. Like, they don't really need Marcus Smart's offense. They need Marcus Smart's defense and to make the, the hustle, the big plays, to be the energy 
they don't need Marcus Marcus Smart taking 20 shots under any circumstances. He's just not that kind of player. Shit, he had to with Kimba Walker playing the way he was playing. Had no other choice. And that's the thing, like, <laughs> you know, I we we know Kimba's knee is arthritic, uh, you know, so that that's something else to watch for. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I Boston's looking shaky, but as long as you know, if you're in the East and you got Tatum and Brown and they continue their ascension, you're gonna be fine. Um, I think they're in good shape. I mean, I think they're in good shape. Yeah. What do you think? About I don't think Denver? they're they're title contenders, but I think they're I think they're they're I mean they're gonna be what they are. They're always gonna be a force in the playoffs that you're gonna have to go through. For now. But I mean, I, I mean, we, like I just said, with uh, with that expiring contract of Gordon Hayward, um, an Ennis Cantor contract, they can make. I'm saying they're waiting for 2021, but they can easily make a move to get one of these disgruntled players. I mean, you go and you send that contract, and you can get a Zach Levine and maybe a Wendell Carter um, for Gordon Hayward just to get it off the books and for them to open up some cap room. You know what I'm saying? It'd be good for. Uh, Chicago to do it because Chicago can bring in a Gordon Hayward to be a mentor. Uh, Gordon Hayward can still shoot. He can still play some uh, point four. He's still a good player. You know what I mean? He's he's still an intelligent player. There's a role for him on a younger team. So if they could trade for like a Zach Levine and then, you know what I'm saying? They could be contenders next year. You know what I'm saying? So they have, that's what I'm saying. They have enough assets, even those draft picks that didn't fall the way that they, that they thought they would. It's still enough where you could package it. You could get somebody to add next year. So I don't think Boston is in a bad situation at all. I think they're in a premier situation where they can make a move next year or they can wait to free agency because they have some favorable contracts and some assets that they can move. Let's jump over to the other side. The other loser of the Western Conference Final or of the Conference Finals, uh, the Denver Nuggets. Um, I, I watched them, and I can confirm my original thought. Them motherfuckers need somebody like Draymond. Uh, bad. Because, now, Jeremy Grant was inconsistent as fuck. I, I like Jeremy Grant. Uh, if Jeremy Grant's going to be out on the floor and can't get you two rebounds, we got a problem with Jeremy Grant. And that's not the dude I want shooting threes. Like I think Jeremy Grant is more of that off-the-bench cat. You know, one of the first ones off the bench, like a Montrez Harrell. Not a guy I want starting in my on my team. Shit, he's probably been the best player in the last two series, though. He's the most aggressive player. Like that's that's my problem is like, yeah, Jamal Murray. He, he's shown that he he's worth every dollar that they gave him in the offseason. There were some questions, but he's worth it. The problem is is that number one, he's not an energizer. He doesn't create his own energy. He needs somebody to energize him. Uh, he can be passive, just like Jokic. So both of those, your two best players can be passive or they can be double team. Like Joker's way too passive. Like he's a superstar. He's passive. It's all well and good. But if you're going to be the best player on the team, and he's the most talented player on the team. I know Jamal Murray's very good, but he's the star of the team. And he's way too passive. Uh, and that's, that's their biggest problem is that they go as he goes. I mean, Jamal Murray can pick them up, but they wait too long. And I've been saying all playoffs, they're probably one of the most talented teams in this playoffs. But they just don't have that dog in them. And Jeremy Grant has that dog. And he was the he was the one that provided energy and uplift them, but he just couldn't do it. I wonder if they would have benefited from keeping Malik Beasley. Like if they would have had Malik I was, I, Beasley in this I was gonna say that. Would it be different? Like would it have been better for you to gave Malik Beasley that money and not gave it to Gary Harris? You know, and moved on from Gary Harris. Because Gary yep. Harris looks like a shell of himself from those injuries. You're missing Will Barton. Um, that's a big, big, big piece. Will Barton was a big key. Yeah, Will, so Will Barton being out was a big key. Yeah, so we can't discount that. They really needed a Will Barton because that's what they need. They need that guy that can energize them, score, and get their own shot off. So and ain't going to get Harris punked around. Gary Harris not being at full strength. Will Barton not, not being there are big keys. So uh, um, Jeremy Grant's going to opt out. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. He's going to command a little bit more than the $9 million that he was making. Uh, I don't know if I'll bring them back, but Denver's another team that's in one of those unique situations because they should have a little bit of cap room losing Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant's opting out, and most of their talent is drafted players, which are under bird rights. So they should have money to go out and get somebody. I don't know if I bring a Jeremy Grant back when I can go and I can get another player on that Denver team. Yeah, I you know, they, as long as you, you, you have – Murray, Jokic, and PJ, we know that's that's your team. That is your core, and we're going to do everything else around that. I'm with you on Gary Harris. Um, he he played some good minutes, but Gary Harris, 
we we know that Gary Harris Harris ceiling has been reached. Um, Would you like Montrez Harrell with this team? He can't shoot. No, but he could provide some energy down low. Yeah, I don't think Montrez gives them the the. The thing that Denver needs is somebody that is going to just play defense and be tough. Like that is what that's why they kept Gary Harris. Like that and that's the attraction of Paul Millsap. Like you're not gonna punk those dudes and you don't really have to worry about creating offense for them. Not that you have to with Montrez Harrell. I just, but Montrez Harrell on defense is nothing. Um, like he that's this year though. I mean that's that's just in yeah. the bubble. Because they, yeah. he, I mean, he got six man of the year because of his defense, because of his toughness, because of his energy. It's some he wasn't the same player in the bubble. And like I said, I, I and think that's that fair. That is a fair, fair point. and being away and not being in shape and all that. But we can't just look at this and say that Montrezl Harrell is not a defender because that's been his role. That was his role last if, year. If I'm Denver, like I said, and and at this point, I don't think Golden State would do it. But yeah, I would see what it would take to get Draymond Green. Um, or and again, get Golden State ain't gonna be like, yeah, just whatever you want, you know. Uh, it, I, but, I don't know the way that I've been watching Draymond Green on TNT and the way he talks about Joker. I don't think he has any respect for Joker, so that's probably not a good thing. Like he's hard on Joker. Shit, you. But that's what he need. That's exactly what Denver needs. Like wow. Jimmy Butler would go in there and drag that team around, and, and like, and and we have seen now that if you have a player now, Draymond's not the offense. Like he, Draymond can't carry you, but if you have that dog, that that undisputed leader of like, yo, I don't care what has to happen, we are gonna win this game, uh, and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I mean, that's what they need. Uh, uh, you know, Draymond, uh, Jimmy Butler, that type of personality that's just going to be like, yo, I don't give a fuck what you two think. Like, they you're need, our best player. They need somebody can take the take the pressure off of Jamal Murray. Um, as much as I love Will Barton, he's an in-game shooter, but he's not consistent. You know what At I mean? All. I mean, I think that I, I keep saying the same name over and over again, but I think Zach Levine can, make, can help a lot of teams. Like, Zach Levine is a player that can take a lot of these teams. I mean, last offseason, it was Bradley Beal, right? Bradley Beal mm-hmm. was the guy that could get a lot of these teams off over the hump. But Washington gave him a lot of money. They're keeping him. They locked him up. It's going to take a lot to give him. Zach Levine is like Bradley Beal light. I think that you can get Zach Levine for a lot cheaper, and he solves a lot of problems for a lot of these teams like Boston, like a Denver. If you put Zach Levine on this Denver team, then he immediately opens it up for Jamal Murray. He immediately helps Jokic because Jokic just wants to pass the ball. And there's another person that can get his shot, that can knock down threes. He's long and he can defend. He's just not a defending on a bad team. But he's he's shown that he can defend when he was with uh, Thibs and he was in Minnesota. So I, I, I just think that this offseason, I think is I think we're going to see some moves this offseason because there's a, it's a unique situation. And with the cap situation, I think there's going to be some of these small market teams trying to get off some of these players because they don't know where the cap's going to be in the future, and they're not good. You know what I mean? Well, and I also think we're in. A, we, I think we're in a transition period in the NBA. I really do. I think. I think that teams looked at that Golden State model, looking at the Denver model, and they're seeing that okay, we need assets. Like we need. We need assets to trade. We need assets to develop. Like. The NBA is starting, franchises are starting to be run like a business, right? Like our G League team needs to be good. Our our, our, our ninth, tenth dude off the bench needs to be an asset. Not necessarily good, but an asset. Only took and we have years, to have man. our core. What's that? It only took 70 years for the for Right, yeah, that, I mean, business. it took a while, but you know. <laughs> but 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 now, I, th- I think we're in such a transition period in the NBA that I, I'm not really sure that people are going to be laying out big contracts for Jeremy Grant. Grant he's going to get paid, but like I'm not sure people are going to look at Jeremy Grant and be like, yeah, I'll give you $12 million a year. I think, I think he's at that 9, 10, 11, 12 max ceiling, 14, yeah, it, you know. It's going to suck because I think that he's opting out thinking that like my performance is going to get – like I was reading and they were saying, shit, there's only like four teams where Montrezl Harrell can get real money from and then after that, he's looking at nine, ten million dollar range. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They said that. I mean, one, a couple of GM said that they think that since Miami's trying to go for the twenty twenty one, that Miami could move some money around just to give him a one year, twenty million dollar contract, like a prove it contract. Uh, so the the market, the free agent market, isn't going to be huge because all these teams, it's one of those in between years. All yep. those teams are trying to save their salary cap for twenty twenty one. So nobody's yep. going to commit a lot of money. Nobody's going to commit major money 
to this. I mean, it's kind of like last offseason. That's why you see all these players getting one-year deals. Julius Randle's getting these non-guaranteed contracts because these everybody's gearing up for 2021 and nobody's going to commit guaranteed cap. I think you're going to see Jeremy Grant take a one-year contract somewhere. I think you're going to see Montrez Harrell take a one-year contract somewhere. A lot of these free agents are going to take one-year contracts and then go into 2021 where teams are actually trying to spend money for one and hopefully they have a better idea of what the NBA looks like going forward with this money situation. Because you look at, you know, you look, look at the landscape of the league, right? Like, if you take the playoff teams, you know you'll you'll get some you'll get some interest for, from those for those veterans. But you look around the league, otherwise, like Memphis don't want them cats, Phoenix don't want those cats, like a lot of New Orleans don't want those dudes, like those guys, Chicago. Like there's so many teams that have a ton of talent, and like you you look at Memphis, and, and obviously as a Memphis fan, that's why I point them out. But you look at a guy like D'Anthony Melton. You know what I mean? Like a guy that isn't a starter right now, but is an asset who could potentially be moved for something else. Like you're not going to take a Jeremy Grant on that team because this whole team is trying to, to develop from one to 12 right now. So same thing with Phoenix. Like Phoenix showed the potential in the flash. Like, okay, we got something here. We got Monty. We got talent. No need to bring anybody else in that maybe isn't a point guard or something like that, that that's going to disrupt that. There's so many teams that are just in a transition period now. Of course, you can always go calling and sniffing around Sacramento to see what the hell they got. You know, if they're going to give up Fox, Bagley, but them food. Sacramento just, I don't know what the fuck you do if you Sacramento, but. Well, transitioning, a light transition into the same topic is we talked a lot about Golden State and Denver creating a model, but Miami's created a model. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think Toronto and Miami's created a model of developing your own talent, really using your G League, bringing some of these players in, and it's going to be a lot cheaper. If you can develop players from your G League squad and then bring them in, so if is it more beneficial for me to sign Jeremy Grant, like overpay him for what he does, energy, rebounding, shooting, or go look at some of these G League squads with some of these kids playing hard and try to bring them in and develop them to do the same thing that a Jeremy Grant did? And that's why... And you get one... And you have one piece now that you have to bring in, a Jimmy Butler, a Kawhi. And now my core players are so good that we've developed that we can build that system around Kawhi, Jimmy Butler. Like, we need the guy that can take us to the final. We don't necessarily need to to go, well, how are we going to get Kawhi and Paul George? How are we going to get AD and LeBron? You don't have to do that because, like, that's a great point. I mean, now it's let's build everything up. And now we get the one piece that we need as opposed to having to go give up our entire team for Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis. Culture. Like Miami Heat has been preaching culture for the last five years, like a Miami Heat culture. And it's kind of like a college system, a plug and play. You only go after players that's going to fit your culture. That's going to, and you tell them in the meeting. So you're not, Miami Heat isn't for everyone. You know what I mean? I remember yep. back in the day, probably like three or four years ago, they asked Jared Dudley, was he going to go to Miami? He was like, hell no, you got a body fat limit. <laughs> I'm not going mm-hmm. there. You know what I mean? So they have strict standards and people know that. So you don't go there unless you fit their culture. And when they get pieces that fit their culture and willing to buy in, you know what you get into. It doesn't matter about your star power. doesn't matter who you are. It's the same, same thing Jimmy Butler saying. It's the same thing LeBron James is saying about the Heat. Like it's consistent, you know what you're getting, but you know they're gonna try to put you in the best situation for you to win. That's why a player like Deion Waiters doesn't necessarily work there. You know, he work might work there one year, but it's not a one-year thing. It's a lifestyle for them, you know what I mean? And that's why they come into the bubble with that that lifestyle, because that's what they do all the time. The bubble is a perfect situation for the Miami Heat because that's what yes. they do year-round anyway. It doesn't matter if there's a bubble or a break or nothing. If they got put out, they were still going to be working out, checking in. You better be under body fat. You better be able to meet conditioning limit. You see people get suspended coming back, not because they're out of shape, because they don't meet Miami Heat shape. And you'll get suspended and not be able to play. So I think that's really benefited them in the bubble. So let's, I mean, since we're here, let's talk about the finals. So my Miami versus LA, first of all, I will, I got to give props to Miami um, and Jimmy Butler. Um, now, I don't know that if, if this were going back and forth to different stadiums that they were doing this, um, I, I think, that, like you said, this was the perfect bubble team that nobody wanted to fuck with. Uh, because this is who they are and what they do. Like we're going to hoop anywhere, anytime, 
and you know you just bring your best and if you don't have to worry about the crowd even better uh, but I got to give a shout out to Miami as an organization, man. Um, the Lakers are the only other franchise that I think has been, you know, way more successful as, in terms of getting to the finals every decade at some point. Like they just do that. That's what they do. But Miami, since they've been in the league, man, basically since Pat Riley got there, that dude, he gets to the finals. He gets, you know, he won a ring before LeBron. He won rings with LeBron, and he's in a situation to ring win a ring post LeBron. Um, let's talk a little bit about Pat Riley's legacy. I mean, we t- we give a lot of props to Jerry West, um, but if you're talking about Pat Riley, who won, I think three or four rings in LA with the Showtime Lakers, it wasn't all five. I think he got three. Um, I thought he only got two. The back to back. Did he get three? I thought he only got two. Who got the no? Because he 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 took over for uh, whoever the hell is their coach after I think the '82 season. So I think he's got four with the Lakers as a coach, three or four, two three with the Heat. Oh yeah, three with the Heat. Yeah, three with the Heat, three with the Lakers as a coach, and you know possibly getting another. I mean that that talk about a legacy. Um, that's incredible to do it on on, on those levels, and he. Who did Pat Riley play for? Did he get a ring as a player too? Didn't he play for the Knicks? Did, was was Pat Knicks. Riley on those Knicks teams that won a title? I feel like he was. <laughs> I don't. Uh, know, I'll man. look at that. I'll just be guessing at this point in time. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't remember who Pat Riley played for. I know Phil Jackson played for the Knicks. I don't know if Pat Riley did too. Um, I feel like he did because he had some affiliation with him, but I'm not sure. Uh, but. It's, it's funny because Pat gets a lot of success, but probably one of the most successful things that Pat Riley did, he they, they all talk about how Miami has, like, one of the best salary cap dudes in the league. Like, Pat gets all the credit, but I can't remember this dude's name. It's like Rosas or something. Like, this dude, Andy something. Like, this dude is supposed to be, like, a math genius. He's the one that's always putting together these packages to go allow them to get like put the big three together to allow them to get Jimmy Butler and just mapping out ways that they can always stay flexible. Like even at this point in time in the finals, they're already mapping out what to do next year. Um, Like I said, a lot of rumors about getting Montrez Harold and stuff like that just for next year. And then in 2021, trying to go after Giannis, like they plan so far ahead of time with their moves and their cap situation that other teams don't like other teams just go sign somebody because i want to win this year or sign somebody because you know they don't that's do lakers that. you know what i mean like they sign people strategically looking four and five years ahead of time you know what i mean and it, it's kind of like you don't always see the vision till it comes together like i always say they run their franchise kind of like college recruiting like when they missed mm-hmm. out on kevin durant and then they turned around and missed out on gordon hayward they had the money because they had planned for it. At that point in time, that money's not going to stay there. You have to use it because there's a salary cap floor. So everyone talks about signing Kelly Olenek, Deion Waiters, James Johnson. At that point in time, when they missed out on Kevin Durant, then the next year they missed out on Gordon Hayward, they had all their cap, so they had to use it on somebody, and they chose to reward their players. It wasn't successful for them right then, but it turned out to be because then Miami – start to be known as someone that rewards their players you know what i mean so it either further built on the legacy so pat riley has nine rings he got one plan with uh the lakers he got that one with jerry west and uh and uh uh uh, wilt um in 71 72 he got four as a lakers coach in the 80s uh and he got one as an assistant coach in 78 79 80 with the lakers uh, four is their their head coach, and then three with the with the Heat. So I mean, that that's Phil, incredible. Phil but man, 11, what do you? Right? Phil has. He has a, ten or eleven. He's he got has, what? He got nine coaching, and then he has the one or two. He has one with the Knicks. He got two with the Knicks. You're right. So he's got eleven. Yeah, because he 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 passed Bob Cousy. Because I think Bob Cousy only has like. No 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 no. He's got thirteen because he's got six with the Bulls, five. Five titles with the Lakers and five then two with the Lakers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then yeah. he passed Kuzi. So, Kuzi must have like eleven then, or ten or eleven, because I remember he passed Kuzi. As no, he passed Red Auerbach. I mean Red Auerbach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He passed Red Auerbach because Red Red Auerbach has ten. Yeah. Um. 
So man, uh, what do you think about this series? I, I, if I had to, 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 you know, do what I think it's gonna, how it's gonna go, I, I'm gonna say it's gonna be the Lakers in six. Um, I, I, but I think I don't see a scenario where where Miami's beating LA barring an injury. Um, but I think that this is going to be a really tough series for the Lakers. I think this is going to be the hardest series the Lakers have played. Yeah, I mean. Uh, on paper, the Lakers should win this. You know what I mean? On paper and the way the Lakers have been playing. Well, you, on paper. So I'll ask you, and I apologize for interrupting, but I'll ask you because the I think the gap, act, this is what helps Heat because I, I do think LeBron and AD are light years ahead of anybody on the Heat. But after that, like you got those two, but if you say players three through I don't See, know this, six or seven. This is what I. This is what like when we were talking when we've been talking about that Lakers team. We didn't account for the level of play of a Dwight Howard and Rondo, like a focused Dwight Howard and a Rondo in playoff mode. So before when we say that you only got um, LeBron, you only got AD. Well, Rondo's playing at a Rondo type level. You know what I'm saying? He's defending. He's orchestrating. He's getting by everybody's position. He fucked, position. He fucked Jamal Murray up. Yeah, then you got Dwight Howard, who's who's bought in now. He's he's not a mental case. He's just out there playing with energy. Only wants to rebound and dunk the ball. That's that's changed everything for the Lakers because those guys were former superstars. You know what I mean? And they're not at their superstar form, but shit, they're probably still better than eighty percent of the players in the league. You know what I mean? So that's changed everything. Um, since the bubble started, I've noticed a different type of energy from LeBron. And I think this situation, like we talked about with the Heat, is probably the best situation for the Heat. But I also think it's the best situation for LeBron because there's no noise. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. can just focus. He can just lock in. There's no distractions for him. He always I, I, LeBron feels like the type that he can get distracted by things going on around him. You know what I mean? In this setting, he always talks about going zero dark and trying to concentrate a focus. I think that this situation has been great for LeBron because he can just lock in. He can just, there's no travel. It's not hard on his body. He have a bad game. He can just go to the gym and shoot. Like, he's been locked in. The way he's been shooting, the way they've been defending, he looks fresh. He looks healthy. Like, this is a dangerous LeBron that you're getting. That's number one. With that said, though, the Heat is in, has, is, the thing that scares me about the Lakers is their defense. It's not necessarily their offense. It's their defense because they're so long. And they can cover big, so dude. much ground. And then even if you get past them, which was one of the troubles with Jamal Murray, even if you get by them, you have Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and even a LeBron James. It's just so JaVale much. McGee JaVale to throw McGee. at you too. Just so much length in the lane. But with that said, the Heat are intriguing because, number one, the Heat are a type of team that has always given LeBron trouble. The defensive team that's on a string, that's going to make you beat them from the outside, that's not going to let you get in the lane easy. And they they're going to pack the lane on you. Back in, who's a shot blocker. Huh? I said they're, they're going to pack the lane on you. Yeah, pack the lane on. This is this team is similar to the, um, the Dallas Mavericks team, the San Antonio Spurs team. They're going to pack the lane. They're going to force you to shoot from the outside. If you beat them shooting from the outside, then you just win. They also have Bam, who couldn't slow down Anthony Davis. He's not going to stop him. But he can match up with Anthony Davis, something that Anthony Davis hadn't truly seen. Someone that can move with him, jump with him, can can defend him on the outside, can bang with him on the inside. You have Jimmy Butler, you have Jay Crowder, you have Andre Iguodala. You have some people that can potentially slow down LeBron James and force those role players. As you said, once you get into that, if you can slow down LeBron and you can slow down Anthony Davis, now you have the others. And then your other offensively, I believe Miami's others is better than the Lakers' others offensively. You have Goran Dragic, you have Tyler Hero, you have Jay Crowder, you have a lot of offensive players that I trust way more offensively than I trust Rondo, Dwight Howard, KCP, Alex Caruso. So I think this could be an interesting matchup, man. I think the Heat, I think the Heat can win it, but it all depends on how they're shooting. Like Jimmy Butler can't play like he did last series. Jimmy Butler's gonna have to be the Jimmy Correct. Butler from Indiana, from Toronto, uh, from um from earlier in the in the series uh, uh, Milwaukee, well, Milwaukee I got Bucks like he can't do what he did last now I hope he was just trying to coasting but he's gonna have to take over yep and you know the, the Heat are gonna be tough the thing that I question with them though um, because 
here's the the issue for the Heat for me, and I agree with you. Uh, Iguodala going to six straight final. Shout out to him. Um, and up up until the last game, he was pretty much a fucking carcass. The new Robert Horry. Yeah, no shit. Uh, but the problem that I see for the Heat, and Duncan Robinson goes through this a little bit to where you can punk him, and, and the moment gets too big for him. And if he starts missing shots, he can't be on the floor. Um, and Tyler Hero can get that. Now, I like Hero, but Rondo's going to fuck Hero up. Uh, and, and if he don't, they're going to throw Danny Green. They're I mean, I just mean in terms of, I don't mean necessarily from, I just mean the physicality of those two dudes on the Tyler Hero, plus but that's, the shit that's, talking that Rondo does. That's the benefit does. of just playing the Celtics, right? I mean, you just came from playing a tough Celtics team with a Marcus Smart banging you around, even with some length like Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like, it yeah, passes a lot but of the things, Celt- but they're tough defensively. Yeah, but they don't have anybody that, which they are, but they, but those dudes aren't bringing the same cachet that Rondo, LeBron, like dudes who have been here before, dudes who know who they are, dudes who are have a title in their grasp. It's going it, to, like, in order for Miami to beat this Laker team, in my opinion, they're going to have to take it because there's just so many dudes that have been here before that have like like Dwight Howard's legacy is riding on this bitch like you know what I mean like there there are guys that are so motivated and I actually listened to an interview with uh Dave Fitzdale uh on a podcast yesterday and he he mentioned that that the Lakers know that you know not only is the Lakers legacy on the line the Kobe legacy is on the line the LeBron legacy is on the line but like the players have have said like this is bigger than just me winning a title. Like this is like I, I said this all wrong, but this is for LeBron's legacy. This is for the Lakers legacy. This is for Kobe. Like that can't be, you know, especially in this bubble setting, that can't be underestimated in my opinion. I have a hard time seeing how, you know, Rondo is just gonna let Tyler Hero do whatever the hell he wants. Same thing with Danny Green. Like you just don't like Danny Green's a big dude. Um and, and you're not getting by him with no problems. Yeah, but with with that being said, everything you just said can be a thing for them to play harder, but it can also be immense pressure. All the pressure's on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I mean, coming into this, like, uh, the Heat are the underdog. They weren't even expected to be there. Just being there is an accomplishment for the Miami Heat, and that's not the same case for a lebron Layton team that's trying to win a title. You know what I mean? Uh, it. It's just so much pressure on guys that not all these guys have won. I mean, yes, Rondo's won. You know what I'm saying? We've seen playoff. Danny Rondo. Green's won. You've seen Danny Green. But Danny Green also can disappear in these big spots. You've seen Anthony Davis. I mean, he was never... big in the finals last year, man. Didn't he set the record for finals threes? Like, I mean, he Danny Green it's, it's balled every, in the finals just a year ago. It's kind of every other game with him. Like, he'll have a big game. Then he have a game where he's going one for 22 and disappear. I mean, you're not no, you're right consistency from them so kcp alice caruso dwight howard um anthony davis there's a lot of players that haven't been in this spot and if you if you start talking about just like uh the level of play i think the level of competition and the the fight has been harder for miami like miami hasn't been the most talented team and i don't believe in any of these three contests that they played in i think the pacers had more man. talent than them. i think the bucks but- had more talent i think that boston celtics had more talent but you you look at the pedigree on this Lakers team. Like I said, so we talk. So Rondo's got a ring. LeBron is obviously we don't have to talk about him. LeBron's got that. Danny Green's got multiple rings. Javale McGee's got multiple rings. I know that's just a throwaway, but like there's championship pedigree on the Dwight. Dwight Howard has been to the finals. He's been to the Western Conference Finals. East like Dwight Howard's battle tested. Like you know what I mean? It's not like a situation where where this moment's going to be too big for Dwight. He's been here before as the best player, and he's got no illusions is that like he he knows that it's not 2009 like you said he's bought in i just i just think that this is a different situation because as dominant as the lakers have been they've played some frail teams you know what i mean when we talk about physicality the level of physicality yeah. of the teams that they played you played houston you played portland and you played denver none of those teams are extremely physical um, they've intimidated a lot of these guys, and I just don't think that's going to take. Uh, that's going to be the case. I mean, you got Jimmy Butler out there. You got Bam. You got Jay Crowder. Jimmy Butler has been the best thing about Jimmy Butler has been his leadership, something that we never gave him credit for, and the fact that when Duncan Robinson, our Tyler Hero, are struggling, 
he's the kind of guy to pick them up. You know what I mean? He's the kind of guy to give them confidence to be better. Like, he's the one that's telling Hero to come down and shoot it. Um, and as you said, if you're putting Rondo on, Rondo's not going to be on Hero. He can't. Or going Drogic's going to bust their ass. <laughs> so that's, that's what, that also frees Tyler Hero up because a lot of times Tyler Hero isn't out there solo. He's either out there with other options to make him the third option, which I think Eric Spolcher does a good job with also. Now, you mentioned Eric Spolstra, who is, I think, criminally underrated as a coach in this league and is a great coach. But Frank Vogel's done a great job. Um, and as you start to look down that, that Lakers bench as well, I mean, they are, as far as the coaches go, again, you've got a Jason Kidd who's probably better than any assistant on on that Miami team who's been to the finals as a player, won a ring as a player. Oh, Chris, you know. Chris Quinn. Chris Quinn got four hey. rings. I mean, three rings too, bro. <laughs> Hey, Chris Quinn was 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 a badass in college at Notre Dame. I was I was trying to figure out. I was like, man, that dude look familiar. But yeah, so I I just, I, but I agree with you. This has the the entire makings of a 2004 Lakers Pistons situation to where like this could implode and end badly. But I think LeBron is. I think I mean obviously I think he's better than Kobe and Shaq. I think he's mentally tougher than Shaq. Uh, Kobe was going down swinging, right or wrong, he was going down swinging. But uh, is the man, I don't thing. like because, like, when I look at it traditionally, and that's the only thing that gives me faith in Miami is that traditionally, Andre Iguodala's been able to give him trouble. Jay Crowder yeah. at times have been able to give him trouble, and Jimmy Butler can get on him and, and give him some trouble. Um, if you can slow, but can down Miami the, score? And that's the thing. Consistently can Miami score. And Miami's best attribute isn't getting to the rim. It's getting is penetration and kicking the ball out. And what I need to see in game one is how well are the Lakers recovering? Because what what they've been facing is basically a one-headed snake on all these teams. You know what I mean? You shut down Damian Lillard. You shut down uh you double team and you trap uh James Harden. Or you double team and you trap Jamal Murray. It's been one player that they can key up, key on, and trap at half court and disrupt the whole offense. And that's why I said this is a little bit different than what they faced before because Miami moves the ball. So I look at this as like in 2010 where Miami kind of stormed through the playoffs. They went against MVP Derrick Rose and they kind of shut him down because LeBron could key in on Derrick Rose. They could focus in on Derrick Rose, but then you get to Dallas and then you got Jason Kidd hitting shots. You got Jason Terry hitting shots. Then you got Dirk doing his thing. It's so many different weapons where they don't care who's shooting the shot. There's, Jimmy Butler probably is too passive sometimes. You know what I mean? There's not mm-hmm. one player you can key on. And if they can get penetration, it's going to be a lot different than just kicking it out for James Harden for the shot because that ball is going to move, and those big people, those big men are going to have to move. It's more similar to Houston what I think more more weapons that can actually score and create their own shot. I don't know if you're going to be able to, it's going to be a battle of styles, because I don't know if you're going to be able to play Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee multiple games. You saw what happened with Boston. Tice and Robert Williams wasn't able to play because Bam would take so much to take advantage of them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I, I, this is one of those matchups where I need to see what game one looks like. No matter who wins, I want to see the matchups, what it looked like, how well the Lakers recover when Miami gets penetration and kick it, because it's not just kicking it out and that dude shoots. It's going to, if you run out to him, the ball's going to move. And that's been one of the things that's hurt a LeBron team is ball movement. Move Ball moves faster than the, um, than the defense. Now, I was, you had me up until, now you didn't piss me off, okay? Daniel Tice ain't nothing compared to a Dwight Howard. Like, you know, I, I get where you're We're going. Talking about but whatever. I'm just talking about being big and just not being able to sit there under the rim. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, but Dwight's, Dwight's bigger than Bam. He's, he's not, he's not, you know, Bam's more athletic at this point in his career and can do more, but... I'm, you, you're talking you can't just move Dwight around you know what no, I mean no, like no. I think I think we you misunderstand I'm not talking about in the post I'm talking about when you have a five out there so the reason why Dwight and Javel McGee didn't play in the Houston series is because when you kick that ball out to a Robert Covington then you move it then Dwight Howard has to out. move from under the rim that's what I'm saying yeah. like Bam isn't going to be just sitting under the rim you know what I mean he's a facilitator he's a person that he drives and kicks like you can close out on him but it 
with the way that Miami penetrates, kicks the ball out, and then rotates it around, like you can't have a center just sitting under the rim. They're going to have to come out to the perimeter. And once they yeah. start happening, you're not going to have a shot blocker. But the unique situation, as I said, is they're so fucking big where you have Anthony Davis, Kuzma, LeBron, where if Dwight yeah. Howard comes out, it doesn't necessarily mean you can get to the rim easily. So that's why I need to yeah. see the styles. Like, what? how does... Like, how does Miami get to the rim? How do they, you know what I mean? It's a lot of different things you have to see. But the Lakers are going to have to close out because that's what Miami Heat does. They don't drive a lot. They drive to kick it. And once they kick it, they rotate that ball around a bunch of times to see if they can get an open drive to the rim. It's pure basketball. When it's working, it's beautiful. Problem is, it's not always working. Sometimes that shit just falls out say. for a quarter and a half. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And, you know, I think it's going to be a good-ass series, man. I I know that people have been saying Lakers in five or Lakers sweep. I do not see that happening. Um, you know, could it? Maybe. But I, I think I think Miami's a formidable opponent, especially in this environment. I can see um, this shit being a sweep by the Lakers, going seven in Miami winning. Miami, like, this shit can go all different kind of way. Like, Miami can upset them and win in five. Like, this can see, go I any thought, way. I thought the Lakers Celtics was wasn't going to be an entertaining matchup. I thought the Lakers would have won that pretty easily, yeah. but this I'm in, I'm very intrigued by. So Celtics would have. I got Lakers. I I got Lakers in six. LeBron James Finals MVP. What you got? I'm gonna go because I think don't do it. Don't be a Miami fan. Just what you got. Be real. I know it. I'm, I've been I've been struggling with this all day because I was gonna have to. I know I was gonna have to answer the question. And, you know, I cannot, in my heart of hearts, pit the Lakers. I just can't do it. I mean, I'll just be wrong. Because what happens is, if I pit the Lakers and Miami accidentally upset them, I'm going to feel stupid. (laughs) Yeah. And I ain't going to forget it. Yeah. So I'm picking Miami in six, win or lose. And I think that the finals MVP, for this to happen, I believe that the finals MVP has to be Goran Dragic. I think he has to wow. play a Tony Parker type role, like when Parker played, uh, when when um, when the Spurs played the Miami Heat. How Tony Parker was able to get in the lane at will and kind of disrupt everything, finish, kick it out. I think uh, Goran Dragic is going to have to be very disruptive in getting into the lane and freeing up space for the other players. So if they win, I believe Goran Dragic is going to play an important role. Um, even if he doesn't get finals MVP, because it could still go to Jimmy or Bam just because of the star status, I think Goran Dragic is going to have to be the key player in this matchup, knocking down open shots, penetrating, getting in the lane, getting people in foul trouble. Miami is six. That I thought she was going to say seven. And I, okay. Hey, you ride with your squad. I, but I got to be honest, though. It, it, it would not shock me. Uh, no, Miami in six would shock me. Miami in seven, I, that would not shock me at all. Um, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't like Miami going into the playoffs, like they were, they were just like the Lakers beating everybody four one until they got to Boston. They gave up one on Boston, you know, kind of had a terrible second half, you know, fell apart. But they were four and one through this playoffs too, and I think they had the tougher matchups. If you're looking, I think Miami's more battle tested, so I don't think it's gonna be a sweep. I don't think the Lakers are just gonna run over no. them because I think no. that Miami's more battle tested. I mean, you're going against Giannis. They got some pre- They got some um, experience. And that's, that's one of the reasons that makes me lean towards Miami is because they have a little bit of experience playing against. Like, they give Giannis real trouble because of their defense. LeBron's a little bit more elevated than Giannis in the fact that he's hitting that jumper more consistently. But still, like, they, they're they going to shut that lane down. <laughs> yeah, but also, you're not going to do the LeBron. You can't do LeBron what you do to Giannis. There's just different players. Like, LeBron can come in and hit mid-range. LeBron, like, LeBron's comfortable shooting. If 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 you like Giannis isn't like Giannis cannot shoot. LeBron yeah. is at least going to like he if you if you're gonna leave him wide open, he's gonna shoot it, and that's a good way to get beat. So it yeah, is gonna no, be a pick the, your poison type of deal. I believe that's the best defense you can have. It's kind of what Mike D'Antoni said. Like I don't give a shit about LeBron having his thirty point triple double. I don't really care about Anthony Davis. Like that's how I believe that's how you beat the Lakers. I believe you if beat. You can the stop Lakers, the others. Yeah, I bleed the Lakers by letting LeBron and AD take that mid-range jumper and that three-pointer. If they want to hit 50 doing that and you lose, then you fucking lose. But make LeBron shoot a mid-range jumper, a contested mid-range. Make Anthony Davis shoot that. Don't foul him. Don't keep him at the line. And make sure you close out on those other guys so they don't get easy shots. 
If you can do that, you can you can give the Lakers some trouble. When you start letting LeBron get in the lane and do whatever he wants, and you put Anthony Davis on the line 27 times, you're going to have real trouble. Well, I got Lakers in six. You got Heat in six. Game one tomorrow. Well, today, if you're listening. Uh, we're going to see, man. I'm excited for this series. Me too, man. I Anything before we get out of here? Nah, man. That's all I got, man. Uh, Montrez Harrell to the Miami Heat. We back next year. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. That's it. That's all. We got some other shows on the network for you. Black Content Corner just released a new episode. Um, Kenny B is always breaking down, keeping you up to date on the latest in music, movies, pop culture. We got any, uh, 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 the, 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 uh, Hell, what am I trying to say? Sexy Suburban Dad coming back with a new episode. Uh, we've got Random Nostalgia. Uh, made a little change on that. Got a new episode. That Did that just drop or is that dropping this week? Uh, no, it just uh, it dropped before Black Content Corner. So it's out there. New so they did 07. 2007, so yeah. Check it out. Um, we're going to keep bringing content, man. So thanks for sticking with Oh, Fumble Ruski, y'all doing your thing. Uh for you football fans out there, we know that y'all come here for basketball. For football fans, we got you covered as well. Uh, Fumble Ruski, your favorite football podcast. Make sure y'all check us out, man. We're doing big things over here. Yeah, man. So, uh, new episode of Fumble Ruski this week. Be out tomorrow. That's it. That's all. We'll holler at y'all next week. Peace. Peace.